you life is short it's too short to live depressed it's too short to live anxious and it's too short to struggle every day with thinking about taking your life i want to challenge you tonight to get up that you're not quitting tonight that one day it is appointed unto all men to die but that is god's responsibility not mine and so i don't know who i'm preaching to tonight but i want to say to you get up your future is brighter than your past i want to say to you in the balcony get up your ladder is greater than your former i want to say to every person in this room get up because the best is still yet to come i got a god who works miracles come on and worship him in this Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on this podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Sober is Dope podcast with your host, Pop Buchanan. We are currently in the mental health series of the podcast and we're devoting the next group of episodes and sequence of episodes all to mental health and the holidays. So we're doing a theme of the mental health and holidays. Today I want to talk about traditional causes of depression versus modern causes and give us some more insights on depression and the brain. So I'm just going to jump right in, ladies and gentlemen. The traditional view of depression was based on chemical imbalances, all right? It was believed that insufficient amounts of neurotransmitters such as norepinephrine, dopamine, and serotonin was the cause of these chemical imbalances. And traditional treatment was an attempt to replenish these chemicals by using antidepressants. And the goal of the antidepressants was were to replenish these chemicals or prevent further breakdown of these vital chemicals. So we know that if you have low levels of dopamine, um, you're going to really feel crappy because dopamine is kind of our uh, reward chemical and it makes us feel good. So, you know, it's related to sex, good food. Um, Every time, you know, someone gives you a compliment, every time you hear a ding on your phone, you kind of get a little surge of dopamine. And we know that's the feel good hormone. All right. Serotonin is extremely important. And um, norepinephrine is extremely important. And when these um, hormones get too low, ladies and gentlemen, it created a cascade of issues. And some of the side effects of these issues are um, this depression, anxiety, and stuff like that. Um, SRIs are considered serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So these antidepressants or SRIs are meant to kind of like replenish these vital chemicals and prevent further breakdown. Um, But a more modern view kind of turned this upside down because... With new studies in um, functional MRIs, genetic biomarkers, and post-mortem studies, you know, where we, we, scientists dissect the brains of, des- the, the, of deceased people or mice, um, it, gave, it gives the, us a better look at what's really happening in the brain, what's really the causes. Because, 
in the past, it was more like, okay, they'll take blood, you know, we'll look at our chemical biomarkers, but, you know, it's a more modern view is when actually looking at people's brains now, studying the connect, the connective tissues, you know, the neurons, the neural pathways, the malleon grooves in the brain and stuff like that. So this is very important. And a uh, side note is when scientists were... Um, dissecting mice they realize that mice and animals also get depressed so depression is a hundred percent linked to the brain and um our healthy hormone levels in the brain and all right so the, the modern view of depression talks about abnormal connections between the neurons and we and this is considered neuroplasticity when cells don't connect properly, you get abnormal productions of the brain chemicals, norepinephrine, dopamine, and serotonin. Neuroplasticity is the process of the brain remodeling itself over time or when we learn new things. Now, uh, important caveat here, ladies and gentlemen, is... And I'm giving you guys the crash course because I do a lot of research and I just want to bring things to you in a faster, more cohesive way. This is one of the main issues with um, depression, all right, and how you could be normal one day and a year later be totally depressed and be suffering from forms of dysthymia and long-term or low-grade depression and anxiety and things like that. Neuroplasticity is the process of your brain remodeling itself over time, all right? Whether you learn new things, experience, experience new things or whatever, through time, our brains change, right? But it's really important to know a lot of causes of depression is they stems from some stressful life event or tragic or sad life event that causes um, the connective parts of your nerve cells to not function properly. So a life-altering event can and usually does lead to some form of depression. So in my case, this makes a lot of sense. Like, um, I changed a lot when my father died. I was 13 years old. By the time I was 15, I went from being a really cool kid to kind of like a really rough around the edges I was always outside you know kind of became very rebellious always fighting with my mother started smoking a lot of weed hanging with the tougher crowd and I could make a connection back so this is important in our mental health series so we could look back and say well there's a specific point in time in most cases where we could look back and say well what and I and I urge you guys to write this down what life event kind of led to what life events happened in my life? Stressful situations, whether it was a car accident, a bad breakup, um, a, 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 um, a, a illness, some type of death in a family, a loss of a friend. All right. Think back and write these things down. Try to put them with dates and it could kind of give you greater insights of when and where maybe your brain may have changed and your neuroplasticity may have changed. And um this could give us a little more insight into why we're depressed or when did this start and the origins of our depression. All right, moving along. As we learn new things, new circuit paths are formed and old ones disappear. These paths are nerve cells connecting to one another. 
Nerve cells communicate by releasing or secreting chemicals, and these chemicals are known as neurotransmitters. And these neurotransmitters become the way cells transmit and communicate information. Okay? All right. Um, There's a famous psychologist that invented something called the Hebbian Theory, and his name is Donald Hebb. And he had a popular phrase where he stated that neurons that fire together wire together and neurons that fire out of sync fail to link right ladies and gentlemen and this led to the origins of Hebbian theory and kind of changing the traditional view of depression um and its connection to our chemical imbalances and and it started and, and it, it led to more of a modern view where we looked at the neuroplasticity and our neurons um, being more of the cause of the chemical imbalances, all right? So before, it wasn't necessarily... We didn't know... So I guess scientists didn't really know why someone may have had low levels of serotonin or dopamine or norepinephrine, right? They just treated the symptoms. So they, you know, they, they would take a blood test. They would look at your, your hormone levels. And they would say, okay, this person is experiencing some form of depression. We could see here that they have low dopamine and serotonin levels. Now, with a more modern approach based on the psychologist Donald Hebb, we could, we could say that, okay, there's a difference in this person's neuroplasticity and their neurons may be firing differently and creating these um, um, communication and connection issues, all right? So how does this link to depression? There's a connection, there's a disconnect between certain neural circuits, Okay. And these circuits are used, uh, are in our prefrontal cortex and hippocampus parts of our brain. And these areas, as we know, regulate mood and information processing. So instead of the neurons firing together, the circuit chains are broken and you don't get the same transmission of the chemical. All right. So this is why most of us may have um, low depression and that being meaning low hormone levels, uh, low dopamine, low serotonin, low norepinephrine, right? It's because instead of our neurons firing together, the circuit chains are broken and you don't get the same transmission. You don't get the transmission of chemicals. So your brain is looking for this information. It's looking for this transmission of the chemical dopamine, right? Something happens, you know, you're supposed to feel good. Dopamine's supposed to fire in, but because that connection is broken, you don't actually get the, the, the hormone and that chemical transmission. So you don't feel happy. You may feel less happy when you're supposed to feel happy. So that's why, you know, when we studied dysthymia in our initial episode, you know, you could see some of the symptoms are as a person may not be excited about things that they used to be excited about. 
The same things that used to make you happy don't no longer makes you happy. You're not excited about the same things anymore. You seem it seems like anything that good happens, you just like oh whatever, doesn't matter, woe me, and everything seems to be a constant depression. Depression because there's some form of disconnect between your neural pathways, your neurons, and your neurons are not firing together and they're not sending the messages effectively, right? So this is considered to form a negative neuroplasticity where the circuit link is broken and you don't get and you get inadequate amounts of norepinephrine, dopamine, and serotonin. And it's believed that influences to um, our, env- our environmental factors, um, you know, we notice in a big link between the amount of chemicals in our environment, the amount of chemicals that's pumped into our um, ground, the water, the food that we eat, um, pesticides, the chemicals and environmental factors that's in our, the, the products that we use in our home, it all affects us and it affects the connectivity of our neurons and our neuroplasticity and how our brain changes through time, right? And also stressful life events. And this really, that, that really touched me, ladies and gentlemen. Stressful life events really, really touched me because uh, that could change your brain dramatically. So, you know, you might have a death in your family, you know, you might have, you know, it might be an issue. So now what I would suggest, ladies and gentlemen, is let's be more mindful, all right? We have to be more mindful of... Um, this reality someone may people are gonna die in our lives you know things are bad are gonna happen to us people are gonna break up with us we're gonna get into fights we're gonna get we're gonna be disappointed by life right but we have to remember to be careful on how we process this information and how deep it hits us because I'm not saying don't mourn I'm saying be mindful on the connection between life and stressful life events and the possibility of your brain changing as a result to that in a negative way and sometimes certain parts of your brain that fire a certain way can no longer work the same way and then in return we won't get the actual hormones we need to be healthy mentally. And that's where mental health comes into play. So in our mental health series, a lot of us out here that's struggling with excessive social anxiety, excessive fear, excessive sadness, excessive depression, um, and, and excessive anxiety is because a part of, parts of our brain may have been damaged Based on environmental factors, lifestyle factors, um, it may be substance abuse issues, uh, most certainly, and it can also be life stressful life events. All right, so be mindful of that. Now, the purpose of this episode is to talk about ways in which we can improve our neuroplasticity because there's a link between your brain health. Right. And the health of your nerve cells, your neurons and your the nerve endings and, 
you know, your neurotransmitters, or you want everything to be working harmoniously. You want your nerves to be able to communicate back and forth through the synapses and the neurotransmitter connections. You want healthy dendrites, which are the parts of your, you know, it's like the arms of your nerve cells that kind of send signals um, that help the neurotransmitters send signals from one nerve um, um, cell to another, right? And um, so our brain health is very important. And it's all about our neuroplasticity. And I'm an avid believer that if we we could damage our brains based on a life experience or stress or something that we may have done or environmental factors, then we could heal our brains, all right? So now we're starting to see links between the keto diet or a high fat diet because our brain is mostly made of fat. We're seeing scientific evidence now that a high fat diet, right, or a keto diet can help with um, brain health. And I'm talking about healthy fats. I'm not talking about eating bacon all day. I'm talking about, you know, healthy fats, maybe like grass-fed butter, you know, um, MCT oils, coconut oils, avocados, healthy nuts, um, this could lead to, you know, actually reversing symptoms of psychosis, helping with neuroplasticity um, and the growth of um, neurogenesis, which is the growth of new um, neurons and brain cells. And also mindfulness. We have evidence that mindfulness is a really, really big um it's a really big thing uh, where there's evidence to suggest that if we practice mindfulness, it can help us repair a lot of damage to our brains and improve our neuroplasticity, right? So I just want to go over a few tips um, for us, ladies and gentlemen, that can help us get and improve our neuroplasticity and our overall brain health. It's very important. Um Okay, um, five quick ways we can improve or harness the power of neuroplasticity. One, get enough quality sleep. All right, it's so important. And ladies and gentlemen, in our sobriety, you're listening to the Sober's Dope podcast, so you know you're going to get hit with that. We talk about accountability, right? Now, there's a lot of my friends and a lot of people, including myself, I healed myself from a lot of my mental health issues. I no longer suffer from mental health issues. That was a thing of the past, like my addiction was, right? So not only did I reverse my prediabetes by changing my diet, lost, reduce inflammation by making lifestyle changes, um, practicing meditation and stuff helped me, changing my diet helped me to, and, and, and dealing with my trauma helped me to improve my neuroplasticity and brain health. And I'm no longer on medication. Um, I no longer need to take anything. Um, I was taking a specific medication meditation that was helping with my serotonin levels about seven years ago and I no longer have to take it I was only on it for like six months and then I just I my brain levels went back to normal because I really started addressing a lot of the issues but the number one thing that I'm I want to talk to you guys about today is like I'm not just going to give you a bunch of tips and then two years later it's like it's the same old same old There's scientific evidence now that we can repair damaged parts of our brain 
We can grow healthy new brain cells. We can we could we could we could we could grow new connective tissue. We could grow new nerve cells. We could neurogenesis is make it, our brain can actually grow. We can create new pathways and lay down new malleon in our brain where by practicing better behavior patterns and and having healthy rituals, healthy thoughts, practicing mindfulness and meditation in addition to taking our um um um, medications and vitamins and supplements and eating healthy whole foods and reducing processed sugars and refined oils and junk and you know listening to music is the music therapy um, aromatherapy it's so many tips that I could give you that and where I'm going to give you and share with you during this mental health series but listen ladies and gentlemen if you sit there and it's a whoa me party and I, I, this was me for years. This is why I drank so much. And this is the whole purpose. I felt really bad. I felt sorry for myself. It was a constant pity party. I kept blaming everyone else for my mistakes. And even I sometimes I even feel a little bit, you know, embarrassed that I mentioned my dad's death as one of the um, links to my addiction. Because I know if my dad was alive, he was like, but man, listen, I raised you better than that. Nobody, you know. Don't be telling people that I, because I died and made you, a bit, you know, whatever. You never know how someone's going to take that. But I really was suffering from that. It, it really changed me in a lot. But I had to deal with it. I can't, I can't you know, seven years later, um, you know, almost 20 years later since my dad passed away. But I had to say, you know what? I had to make peace with that. I had to let him go. I had to give my dad back to God. I said, you know, God makes his choices. My dad died, you know, at 52. I felt that was young. It was traumatizing, but I had to heal from that. I couldn't keep replaying that through my mind and re-injuring my brain. Right, I had to take accountability for my depression and sadness. I had to do, deal with my bereavement issues professionally. I had sat down with a therapist and a counselor, and I started talking these things, speaking, you know, speaking, talking to a therapist, bring, you know, talking in groups and getting help. In addition to exercising, changing my diet, improving my sleep patterns, improve sm- using smart slup- supplementation, making sure that at a bare minimum, I was taking my a really good multivitamin. I was taking a good um, fat, uh, um, uh, fish oils that help with my brain. I was I was I was uh, you know t- eating a lot of antioxidants and fruits and vegetables. It would be so irresponsible for me to not do anything that's suggested and still complain that I have these issues if I'm not doing my part. So the medical community is doing their part every day. The scientific community is doing their part every day, ladies and gentlemen. If we're in our mental health struggles, we must do our part. If not, then we're not being honest and we're not taking accountability, all right? You we, we you know you are a victim to a certain degree of life, and life causes these problems in our brain, and our neuroplasticity is affected by our environment and the stresses of our environment. But we could change that. Now I'm telling you now, you're hearing it from the Sober's Dope podcast. We can change our mental health today by by implementing every tool we have at our disposal. So when I go through these tips, ladies and gentlemen, please practice them, implement them, write down, you know, get a journal, take notes on what works and what doesn't. You know, you should have a checklist and say, well, 
I, I corrected my sleep patterns. I no longer stay up to five o'clock in the morning. You know, I make sure I go to bed at a healthy hour. I go to bed the same time every day, wake up. I cut out all of this junk from my diet. I definitely reduce sugars and processed sugars. You know, I'm not eating cupcakes all day when I know that leads to, there's evidence that that leads to depression, right? There's scientific links between processed sugars um, and, and, um, depression and then that affects your mitochondria it affects your blood pressure it affects your heart it affects your mood it's very hard to have a stable mind if you're not feeding your brain right your brain needs a lot of energy if you're feeding it bad stuff it's gonna it's gonna not fire your neurons are not gonna be able to fire correctly if it doesn't have the fuel all right so I'm sharing this stuff with you guys. Let's start implementing it. Let's really improve ourselves. A lot of this we have to take back into our, our we have to empower ourselves. I'm giving you permission. I'm not, I don't have to. You don't need me to give you permission, but I'm saying it's okay to feel empowered. Take back, do what you can. It's like it's not just about a doctor. There's a lot of things you could do before you even get to the doctor. You know, you might wake up one day and implement three different things in your life and then no longer suffer from depression. You might say, you know what? I changed my diet. I started to go to sleep on time. I started taking vitamins. I started exercising and I started listening to um, uh, positive music and I wrote and I had a gratitude journal. And th- four months later, I'm a different person. You hear this stuff every day. I started practicing meditation. I'm a different person. Right. So. A lot of this is us taking accountability. All right. Some ways to increase and harness the power of neuroplasticity. Get enough sleep, quality sleep. Your brain needs to sleep and your, your brain needs healthy sleep to reset brain connections that are important for memory and learning. Two, continue learning and keep moving. So, guys, ladies and gentlemen, keep learning learn something new take a new course go back to school take up a new hobby start studying something if you're interested if you're if you're interested in a i don't know woodworking you know take a course start building new things uh get out more exercise more that helps it helps create new neural connections right and these neural connections and these it helps our neuroplasticity, which helps getting our hormones to the right parts of our brain so we could be at a healthy hormonal level where we are less depressed and, ha- and, and happier and um, less stressful. Reduce stress, mindfulness, meditation, exercising, um, talk therapy groups, writing, uh, having a gratitude journal. Those are some tips to reduce stress. Four, find a strong purpose for what you're planning to learn. Uh, yeah, find a purpose. Live a purpose-driven life, ladies and gentlemen. That means you have to have something that you're passionate about, something that gets you up every day and something. If you're struggling for mental health, become passionate about mental health. Try to help other people, including yourself. Learn more about mental health. Study this stuff. Read the scientific journals you know read a bunch of books become passionate make this your cause in doing so you're going to be helping your brain right um step five read a novel all right like 
you know, reading fun books that really have nothing to do with nothing, you know, reading the novels, a novella, some comic books, maybe a graphic novel, it just helps your brain, you know, the parts of your brain that deals with the imagination, it helps create new neural connections because you're starting to think about things. What does this character look like? I wonder what this character is doing now. I wonder what happens next. I wonder what the writer was thinking. These different thought permutations help create new neural connections right so ladies and gentlemen that's that um i I really want you to those are some tips and um i'm gonna cut to a message from our sponsor and then i'm gonna come back and give you guys some more tips and then we're gonna have uh, a clip from um dr tracy marks where she could break down everything that i just broke down in a really medical eloquent poetic really solid way for you guys so one of the techniques is i try to break down the clips that you hear from the professionals before you actually hear them because sometimes we need to hear things in different ways so i break it down in my most basic disjointed scattered crazy you know sober's dope pop you can and wait for you because I'm trying to connect with you on the most human level. Because sometimes when you're listening to the doctors, they're just the information is coming at you really fast, and then you tend to have to take notes and rewind. But if you hear it first from me, then you listen to it again, the your, the um, likelihood that you're going to retain this information uh, is going to be higher. And that's what I want. I want you guys to listen to these episodes, like, and, and then retain the information, so this information could become actionable and we could make progress, right? So, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to cut to a message from our sponsor, and then we're going to go into some more tips on how we could improve our neuroplasticity and reduce our depression in doing so and then we're going to connect to the message from dr tracy marks and i'll catch you guys soon When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Sober's Dope Podcast. You're listening to our mental health series. Today, we're talking about neuroplasticity and depression and how we could really improve our brain and the best way possible to improve our hormone levels to reduce depression, anxiety, and and, and in hopes to improve our overall mental health, right? And we're doing that today by 
talking about ways to improve our neuroplasticity, all right? So that's improving the connection between our nerve cells and the way they communicate and transmit information from one nerve cell to, to another through our neurotransmitters. So neuroplasticity talks about how our brain changes over time and these changes are called, caused by environmental factors and stressful life events and stressful events in general and a host of other reasons, mainly poor diet, maybe trauma to the brain. Um, most times people may, you know, have you may have been hit incorrectly. You may have been an accident. You may have fell when you was younger. You may have affected different parts of your brain that has to do, deal with um, your mood. Your like your hippocampus and your prefrontal cortex. These parts of the brain are very sensitive, and if they're damaged through you know um, some form of trauma or accident or through environmental factors or dietary factors or um, emotional factors. It can lead to depression. But the good news, ladies and gentlemen, we can improve our overall brain health. We can improve the way our brain functions and looks through neurogenesis, which is the growth of new brain cells and nerve cells and overall cellular brain health, right? We can improve our brain. We can in, 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 in grow a whole new brain. Right. And we was talking about in our first segment how meditation and mindfulness can really help with this, how exercise can increase the and improve the synapses. And that's the connections between one nerve and, um, cell and another nerve cell. Right. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's really move forward and try to just get some more information out there for you guys, because in the end, I just want you guys to really be good. And I, and I want everyone to feel like. You have power. You you know you could take back your you know you could take back your power in a lot of ways. All right. So again, talking about exercise, ladies and gentlemen, please do me a favor. I'm giving you some homework. Just Google exercise and neuroplasticity. Google exercise and depression and what happens to the brain when we exercise. All right. You're gonna see. A lot of stories out there, I mean, studies out there that support this, that support that our brain health and stuff like that. And, and I want us to really do the homework sometime because it's important. All right. And this one I thought is good because I'm doing this now on my new on my new. I don't I don't consider what I'm doing a diet. I, I would say it's my new lifestyle choice. Um, and, and that means that I'm on like a, a keto plant-based diet, meaning that I eat a lot of healthy, um, non-animal fats. So I eat a lot of avocados, a lot of, um, Brazil nuts, a lot of MCT oil and a lot of coconut oil. And I have a little bit of grass-fed butter too. Long as grass-fed, I don't eat um, regular butter. I eat grass-fed butter, um, and that helps with my brain health. It helps with the thermic effect of my weight loss, my metabolism, and and most importantly, uh, my high-fat diet. Um, in conjunction with my plant space, meaning that a lot of healthy green vegetables, a lot of antioxidants from low sugar fruits like blueberries and raspberries. Of course, I'm a big proponent of everything being organic. Um, 
um, because you know we we we're just tired of dealing with the negative effects of the pesticides with companies like Roundup and Monsanto and you know the the gly the, the, gly, the glyphos the gly, glyphosate in our soils and that's the chemical that really caused a lot of problems with our fruits and vegetables right it affects something called the shikimi pathway um i'm gonna put this in the show notes check out a dr zach bush md he talks about the, the health of our soils the importance of being organic and why that helps because ladies and gentlemen a lot of us out there may feel like we're eating healthy there's a, i know a lot of plant-based vegans and people that's on keto and people that eat fruits and vegetables every day that's still unhealthy they can't lose weight they still have mental health issues they they have low energy and it's because you could be eating all the right things but the pesticides in our foods are a major problem so please try your best to source locally support your local farmers support farmer markets right and also really try to save your money to try to eat as much organic food as possible because the more we support the organic farmers the more incentives they're gonna have from corporations to go organic all right so it takes a, a we could change a lot of the narrative by showing our support for healthier alternatives and in doing this it will affect our health down the line because one of the major causes of depression and negative neuroplasticity um are um are environmental factors right so if we're talking about the environment and we're talking about the animals the foods the plants and the, and we're ingesting we're ingesting toxic pesticides there's a reason why over the last 20 years cancer's been at an all-time high people's dying every day every time you go online you hear I, f cancer f cancer i can't with cancer this person's dying this person's dying it's because with the advent of big business and gmo farming and us trying to find a creative way to feed everyone on the planet there was a lot of shortcuts taken right and there's a lot of there was a lot of just negligence on behalf of the government on behalf of corporations to do what's right they the job of these corporate entities is to give you the best product at the least amount of cost so that means if they have to cut corners or they if they have to use ingredients that they know are scientifically not healthy for the human consumption, they're still going to use it. They're still going to dump our foods with nothing but bad sugar, you know, um, refined sugars and um, um, pesticides and all of this stuff is killing us. It's causing genetic reproduction problems, mental health problems, um, 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 hormonal imbalances. And it's just killing humanity. So we have to be more responsible. All right. And I say all of that to say is that my diet really helped me to lose weight, change my genetic expression, which is a form of epigenetics. And using mindfulness also helped. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, start there. If you're looking for something to become passionate about, become a little detective in your mental health. Say, you know what? Why? You know 
why am I like why am I struggling with this so long? Like what can I do? What's going on with the environment, right? You know, the air we're breathing, the the water you're drinking, the 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 BPAs in the waters, the canned foods, you know, um all of these things. And I'm going to do a larger um, deep dive on health, environment, nutrition, and sobriety and mental health. But for now, I'm trying to give you as much, everything that I have in me, all right? There's a lot that I do in a day, in a year, in a lifetime to try to maintain my health and to transform. Every The whole point of the Sober is Dope movement is transformation, all right? That's it. I mean, one word, give me one word to sum up my whole life, transformation, all right? Either you're transforming in a negative or you're transforming in a positive, right? Negative neuroplasticity, you're transforming in a negative. That's called mental health issues. You're transforming your health to positive neuroplasticity. You're actually going to be a person that's whole and you're going to be talking about your mental health as a thing of the past. Don't let your mental health issues define you. Let's start becoming empowered and doing what we need to do to get control of this so ladies and gentlemen intermittent fasting is one of the next steps that you can incorporate in your life to help with your mental health and to help with your neuroplasticity and neurogenesis right calorie restriction fasting increases synaptic plasticity it promotes neuron neuron growth, decreases risk of neurodegenerative diseases, and improves cognitive function according to the Society of Neuroscience. During fasting, a metabolic shift lowers the body's leptin levels, a hormone produced by fat. Ladies and gentlemen, um, ladies and gentlemen, leptin is one of the most important hormones. Leptin is the satiety hormone. This is the hormone that makes us feel full when we eat. Right, and a, a quick little side course for you guys. The reason why you're overeating and you're always eating is because you're eating foods that are void of nu- nutrient density, right? So you're eating a bunch of junk food, processed sugars. So what happens is when you eat a bunch of Twinkies and Doritos and pizza and all of this junk food, right? And then you're drinking soda and all of this stuff. Your body is looking for the right building blocks to repair itself, right? And, and to feed your cells. But when if when you put junk food in your body, it shuts down this hormone leptin. So you never feel full. You always feel hungry. And the hunger hormone is called ghrelin. So every time you eat some junk food, you're going to increase the hormone ghrelin in your body. And decrease leptin So you're going to always feel hungry You ever wonder why you eat two pizzas And drink a Pepsi and an hour later You feel like you you still want to eat It's because your body can't use that So One of the ways we could Improve our neuroplasticity And our overall health Is by practicing fasting Or intermittent fasting Which helps um, it, it helps It creates a metabolic shift which lowers the body's leptin levels, a hormone produced by fat, right? All right. As a result, the brain receives a, chem- a chemical signal for neurons to produce more energy, right? Um, popular methods include fasting one day per week for an entire 24-hour period. I don't recommend that. Uh, maybe, you, I would say, if you're going to fast for a whole day, 
do that after you practice more um, less less aggressive ways because I intermittently fast, so I have a small eating window. So I eat. I tend to eat one meal. If I eat two meals a day, it's within a small window. But I bypass necessarily eating maybe lunch. So I might have breakfast, or I might have my bulletproof coffee for breakfast, or or I might just say, okay, I'm gonna just eat dinner today. And but I make sure I get all my nutrients in at one time. But uh, um, a 16-hour fast is good. Having your last meal at 8 p.m. and breaking down and and breaking your fast at lunch 12 p.m. the next day the 5-2 model five days of regular eating and two days non-consecutive of calorie restricted eating in a week between 400 and 600 calories all right another way so guys, ladies and gentlemen google intermittent fasting um the fasting mimicking diet cellular mimicry autophagy those are all the terms i want you guys to become many experts in okay uh, so do some homework that's your homework for that Google and learn as much about fasting. Um, you go, you go find a do- doctor. Walter Long- Longo is the leading thought leader on fasting. Um, and he did all of the research to support the cellular benefits of fasting and anti-cancer benefits of fasting. Um, another way, travel. Let's wrap this up. Traveling promotes neurogenesis by exposing your brain to new, novel, and complex environments. Paul Nasbaum, a neuropsychologist from the University of Pittsburgh, explains, quote, those new and challenging situations cause the brain to sprout dendrites, unquote, meaning dendrites are those neural connections, right? You need to travel across the world to reap these benefits. You don't need to travel across the world to reap these benefits. Taking a weekend road trip to a different city gives your brain the same stimulation. Three, using mnemonic devices. Memory training promotes connectivity in your brain's prefrontal parietal parental networks and can slow memory loss with age okay um mnemonic devices are a form of memory training that combines visualization imagery spatial navigation and rhythm and melody all right a popular technique is known as the method of loki or mol explained by scientific american it involves visualizing a familiar route through a building, your home, or your way to work, and placing items to be remembered at attention-grabbing spots along the way. The more bizarre you make these images, the better you will the better you will recall them later. By simply retracing your steps like a fishing line, you will pull up items to the surface along with objects, numbers, and names. This method has helped people with depression store happy memories that they can retrieve in times of stress. Begin using mnemonic techniques and engage in memory training. Start working on remembering names, scriptures, or poems. Here are some mnemonic techniques to get you started i'll put these links in the show notes for you for learn an instrument we just did an episode called music therapy and depression go listen to that but there is links on brain scans on musicians show heightened connectivity between brain regions all right so go check out the last episode we did um in our mental health series and i will give you all that information five non-dominant hand exercises using your non-dominant hand to do simple tasks such as brushing your teeth texting or stirring your coffee or tea can help you form new neural pathways these cognitive exercises also known as neurobics 
strengthen connectivity between your brain cells. It's like having more cell towers in your brain to send messages along. The more cell towers you have, the fewer missed calls, explained Dr. P. Morali, um, Doris Mami, um, Chief of Biological Psychiatry at Duke University Medical Center. Studies have also shown that non-dominant hand activities improves your emotional health and impulse control. Switch your hands up with, simply ta- with simple tasks and give your brain a workout. Read fiction. A study conducted over 19 consecutive days by Emory University showed increase in ongoing connectivity in the brain of participants after they all read the same novel. Remember, researchers Gregory Burns noted... Even though the participants were not actually reading the novel while they were in the scanner, they retained these heightened connectivities. Enhanced brain activity was observed in the region that controlled physical sensations and movement systems. Burns explains that reading a novel can't transport you into the body of the protagonist. The ability to shift into another mental state is is a crucial skill for mastering the complex social relationships. And some novels to your reading list, add some novels to your reading list for extra brain benefits. Expand your vocabulary. Learning new words activates the brain's visual auditory processes seeing and hearing the word and memory processing a small vocabulary is linked to poor cognitive efficiency in children while the expansive vocabulary is is an indicator of student success eight create artwork in a journal article titled how art changes your brain participants in a 10-week art course a two-hour session, one per week, show enhanced connectivity of the brain at a resting state known as the default mode network, the DMN. The DMN influences mental processes such as introspection, memory, and empathy. Engaging in art also strengthens the neural pathway that connects attentions and focus. Nine, hit the dance floor, all right? Dance, dance, dance. Not many of us would think of dancing as a decision-making process, but that's the reason why it's healthy for your brain, especially freestyle dancing and forms that don't retrace memorized paths. Researchers compared the effectiveness of cognitive activities in warding off Alzheimer's and dementia and found that dancing had the greatest effect, 76% risk reduction, higher than doing crossword puzzles at least four days out of the week and read it all right 10 sleep we already banged this in the head ladies and gentlemen you have to get sleep all right you have to have to get sleep studies from nyu show that sleep helps learning retention with the growth of dendritic spines and tiny protrusions that connect brain cells and facilitates the passage of information across synapses aim for seven to eight hours of sleep each night if you're struggling to get consistently good sleep try creating a nightly ritual going to bed at the same time drinking some sleep inducing tea such as chamomile or making your room as dark as possible all right ladies and gentlemen here's some tips but there's so much more out there right find the inner artist read some novels get into fiction dance right find something that you're passionate about work on your sleep look into the 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 efficacy of a high fat diet look into the keto diet look into the plant-based diet with an emphasis on healthy fats drink a lot of water stay hydrated all right um 
there's so much. Practice mindfulness. Practice gratitude. Right? Google. I, I, your last last thing I want you to do, ladies and gentlemen, Google mindfulness and study as much as you can about the subject. I can't do all the homework for you when you get when you get off the podcast. I want you guys to go out there and do the homework. I want you to become many experts on the mental health benefits of meditation, the mental health benefits of mindfulness. All right, the mental health benefits of exercise, the mental health benefits of diet and nutrition, the mental health benefits of low stress and anxiety, and dealing with our past trauma. If you had a death in your family, I, I seriously encourage you to check, to get into to find a bereavement therapist or bereavement counseling. Bereavement is dealing with the loss or death of a family or friend. Deal with it. Talk it. Deal with it. Go to therapy. A lot of us need therapy. It helps, right? And there, there's a strong link between the efficacy of uh, pharma, uh, of um, medication. But I will say, medication should be done in conjunction with all of these other things to help you. I feel if you're if you're taking the correct medication, you're changing your diet, you're getting correct sleep, you're practicing mindfulness, you're practicing meditation, you're exercising, you're eating the um, healthy foods, you're increasing healthy fats in your diet, you're you're, you're practicing art, you're, you're getting into, you're finding a cause, you're, you're using music as therapy, you're using aromatherapy, you're doing everything in your power, ladies and gentlemen, you will be surprised you can improve your neuro neuroplasticity so you're listening to the sober is dope podcast with your host pop buchanan this episode is going to be um titled neuroplasticity and depression how to improve our brain and improve our mental health all right enjoy this clip from my favorite person on the planet is dr tracy marks she's gonna break down everything i just broke down in a very professional doctor-like way and ladies and gentlemen Please, good luck on your mental health journey. Be mindful. Be accountable. Take, do the work. Do the work. All right. Mental health awareness is also, we should have a new phrase called mental health proactivity and mental health um, 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 action. We should create something called a mental health action network where we hold each other accountable to do the steps that may help improve us for good. All right. So this gives me hope because it was a time where I didn't think I could I could get better, but I'm healed. I don't have to take medication. I don't I don't get sad a lot. And when I am depressed because I'm human, I, I snap out of it. I know how to get myself right back out of that. Don't stay stuck. Get we. This is all about becoming unstuck and fixing our brains. I love you, ladies and gentlemen. I'll catch you on the other side. How we conceptualize depression has changed in the past decade. In 2019, what do we think causes it? That's what I'm talking about today. I'm Dr. Tracy Marks, a psychiatrist, and this channel is about mental health education and self-improvement. If you don't want to miss a video, click subscribe and the notification bell. The traditional way we approach the cause and treatment of depression was to see it as a chemical imbalance. That is, you have insufficient amounts of the neurotransmitters serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine. And low levels of these brain chemicals are what was causing your depression. 
we treat the depression by replenishing these chemicals using antidepressant medications that help the brain cells or the neurons either produce more of the chemicals or stop the chemicals from being broken down after they're produced so that they hang around a little bit longer. And that's the concept behind the SSRIs or the serotonin reuptake inhibitors. That concept is now so 2000. It's not that we don't believe that these brain chemicals are in balance. It's just that as research has advanced, we have a different understanding of how they become imbalanced. And the studies that support this use functional MRIs, genetic biomarkers, dissecting the brains of deceased people called post-mortem studies, and looking at the brains of mice. Mice, like other animals, get depressed too. I'm telling you this in case you are someone who wants to know what's the proof of this. And I have references in the description and look at the methods section to see how they measure the neurotransmitter levels and how they detected changes in the neurons. So now we see depression as caused by abnormal connections between the neurons. And this involves the concept of neuroplasticity. When cells don't connect properly, you get abnormal production of the brain chemicals. What? Hold on. Stick with me here. Neuroplasticity is the process of the brain remodeling itself over time as we learn new things. Think of your brain as like your computer's central processing unit that functions through a complex circuit. The circuit is made up of neurons, which are nerve cells. As you learn new things, new circuit paths are formed and old unused paths disappear. These paths are just simply the nerve cells connecting to one another. The cells communicate by secreting chemicals. These neurotransmitters become the way that the cells transmit information. Donald Hebb was a psychologist who developed the theory called Hebbian theory of how nerve cells function in the brain. A catchphrase of his theory is that neurons that fire together wire together and neurons that fire out of sync fail to link. So how does this relate to depression? With depression, there's a disconnect between certain neural circuits. And these circuits, by the way, are mostly in the prefrontal cortex and your hippocampus. And these are the areas of the brain that regulate mood and information processing. So instead of the neurons firing together, the circuit chain is broken and you don't get the transmission of the chemicals. It's like negative neuroplasticity. The circuit link is broken and this is where you get the inadequate amounts of serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine. So this is what we see happening, but we don't know exactly what makes this happen. But we do believe that there is more of an environmental influence like stressful life events that makes it happen. So it's not just due to something inborn. What happens to you as you go along your life can disrupt these circuits. Why should you care about this? Because it affects how we treat depression in the future. Our current antidepressant medications are good, but according to the STAR-D study, which was a sentinel study funded by the National Institute of Mental Health, a third of people did not respond to multiple medication trials. So treatment-resistant depression is a big problem. So when it comes to treating depression, we're, we're missing something. 
even in the comments on this channel, I see many people talk about how they took medication for years with no success. So now the newer drugs being studied address preventing the disruption of the circuits. And this focus actually addresses the problem instead of the consequence. Low serotonin is the consequence, not the cause. It's like having a bleeding wound. You can get something to replace the blood that you've lost, or you can close up the wound that's causing the bleeding. The new medication focus is closing the wound instead of replacing the blood. And we hope this new focus is better. But another way this is a big deal is that we have a better understanding of how the psychotherapies like mindfulness really improve depression. Mindfulness has been shown to enhance neuroplasticity and improve the connections in the circuits. So it's a non-medication option that has real promise. I'll have an upcoming video on the topic of mindfulness and neuroplasticity, so stay tuned. Thanks for watching. Talk to me in the comments. I love hearing from you. And see you next time.